You glad you're here today? Amen. I didn't put a damper on things too much. Yet. We'll, we'll ramp it back up a little bit. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6. We're going to look at two verses. Verse 7, excuse me, 37 and 38. Luke, chapter 6 and verse 37 and 38. We have been this year, basically, exploring... Uh, avenues of how to enlarge, enlarging our territory, <coughs> enlarging our boundaries. And what I want to do is I want to continue with that, but I also want to connect it with what I preached last Sunday, because I really believe that God wants to release a new anointing in this house. And I didn't know what to call it, and I woke up the other day, and it was, in my spirit, it was a no-weapon anointing. A no-weapon anointing. When you aren't afraid of anything that the devil can throw at you, you are a dangerous Christian. You are a dangerous Christian. When there's nothing that the enemy can do to you that you don't see it working for you, then you don't live a life of worry. You don't live a life of panic. Whatever the enemy does, you know that that's part of the scheme. And no weapon that's formed against you has the ability to prosper. Any voice that comes against you, God himself said, I will deal with and this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord because their righteousness is of me, saith God. In other words, that's God's way of saying if anybody comes against you, they got to go through me. I got your back. Isn't that incredible? What an incredible thing to know. And so it gives us not the arrogance but the boldness to begin to enlarge our stake and to enlarge our territory. And beloved, one of the things that I realized this week, and we need probably to get back to some of this emphasis, is that you and I have been given a great gift, and the gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Ghost that indwells us. Check this thought for a second, because I think that if you're tracking with me, this will mean something to you. What Simon Peter could not become in three and a half years walking beside Jesus every day. He walked beside Jesus every day for three and a half years. As soon as Jesus is crucified, Peter says, I'm going fishing. What Peter could not get in three and a half years, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, walking with Jesus, he got in one day by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You didn't catch that. Because there are a whole lot of people that would say things like this. You know, I, I wish I could have been around when Jesus was around. You know, you and I have got something better. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. Because if I go, I can send a comforter. And the comfort that I, that I send, the comforter that I send, is not going to be one that walks beside you giving you suggestions, but he's going to live inside of you giving you direction. Amen? And those that are led by the Spirit of the sons of God. So we have been given a great gift, and it's important for us, it's necessary for us, to not only acknowledge that gift, but to activate that gift. Wherever you go, you are carrying the spirit of the Most High God. And if you tell me, well, I've only got this much of God, any mathematician will tell you any portion of infinity is infinite. If you've got a drop of God, you've got his, you've got his total DNA working inside of you. Amen? 
So whatever you walk into, you carry with you the very essence of God, the nature of God, the presence of God. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you because what you carry in you is greater than what's going on around you. Some people don't believe that and then they'll be the first ones to quote the scripture. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If you believe that, live it. If you believe it, believe it. If you believe it, walk it. Greater is the he that's in me than the he that wishes he could get in me. Amen? Ah. So we've been talking about how to enlarge our boundaries, enlarge our territory. You cannot gain increase without first enlargement. There's no need to increase if you can't enlarge. You have to enlarge your expectations. You have to enlarge your relationship circle. You have to enlarge your predictions. You have to enlarge not just your land and territory, things like that, but you have to enlarge your thinking. You have to enlarge your thinking. I'm going to preach something today that I don't think I've ever preached in this house. You're going to have to enlarge your giving. Because it's time to increase in your giving. I knew he was going to talk about money. It took him 11 years and 10 months to do it. Now talk, I'm not going to talk about money. It works in money, but it works in every area of your life. Now, I, I want to read this, and then I want to get into a couple of things, all right? Luke chapter 6. Let's see. I preached 30 minutes last Sunday. We had a great Sunday. We had a great weekend. The youth dinner was good. The karaoke was incredible. Last Sunday, Brian um, Killian began the, the uh, Lit Get Lit, L-I-T, Leaders in Training, the Lit class. He did an incredible job, man. It was awesome. And uh, we used that momentum, went into worship. I preached for 30 minutes, got you out at 12.02. Can somebody say amen? Look at somebody and say, that ain't happening today. So just settle in. All right, just settle in. I'm not going to keep you till Monday, but I, I can promise you, you ain't getting out at 12.02 unless you just want to leave. Okay? So, yeah. Seatbelts on. Trays in the upright and locked position. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. And judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Release. And you shall be released. Here it is. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Everybody say good measure. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Catch this line. Shall they give. One translation says shall men give. Shall they give into your. Into your. Into your. I want you to remember that. That's going to be important in a second. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. For with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. I want to read this from the message, okay? Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That kind of hardness can boomerang. 
This stuff preaches on by itself, don't you? Yeah. 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 Too easy. Look at that. Too Don't condemn those who are down. That kind of hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. And you'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Now, one of the things that we have to understand so that we're working together in concert is what creates a boundary, because we're talking about enlarging our territories and enlarging our boundaries. Boundaries are limitations. What creates a boundary is not the lack of something. What creates a boundary is not the lack of something. What creates a boundary is the power that we give that lack. Okay? What creates a boundary is the power that we give that lack. When I went to, to Germany, we actually got to go into Berlin a day early before we ministered there, and so we did some sightseeing, and they took us to the Berlin Wall. And parts of the Berlin Wall are still there, fragmented. It's broken, some pieces. But parts of the wall are still there. And, you know, I, I was, everybody was looking around, taking pictures, stuff like that. I went and got this big hunk of rock that was laying there, and I walked over to it, and I started banging up against it. And I got about three or four pieces of it. I brought it home. I got, gave one to my dad, and I've got one. It's in a shadow box, and I dated it and whatever, because, you know, just the historical artifact of what it was, but just to, you know, just to be able to say that you had something that was an incredible piece of world history. But I want you to see something with me. Parts of the Berlin Wall are still there. What's gone is the fear of death that it represented. What's gone is the impenetrable fortress that because if you tried to cross that wall and go over to the other side, you were shot. You could see the watchtowers. They had guards in the watchtowers. And they would shoot you. And people tried to escape to save their own lives to the point that they risked their own lives. Now, the wall, now, now parts of the wall are still there. But what that represented is gone. There are some things in your life that aren't as bad as you think they are. The problem with that is, as a man thinketh, so is he. When Jesus was suspended on the cross, he makes this declaration. He says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He declares, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. The Bible says at that moment of his death, the veil that separated the presence of God, where the Ark of the Covenant was in the temple. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The veil that separated the Ark of the Covenant from the priests that would come to minister and the other people that were privy to the temple worship, that veil was what? It was rent. It was ripped open. How? 
from the top to the bottom. In other words, it would have been significant if it was ripped from the bottom to the top because that would have been man's attempt trying to get to God. But because it was ripped from the top to the bottom, it was an indication that God had every intent and purpose of making himself known to his people. In other words, the tearing of the veil was not our idea. It was God's idea. Can you say amen? So the veil was no longer there. And yet the Apostle Paul, years later, would write to the church and say, Guys, we've got an issue. And the issue is, when you read Moses, there's still a veil. But now it's not a veil in the temple. It's a veil over your eyes. Uh, in other words, the separation now is not external. It's internal. Can I say it another way? More often than not, it's not what's on the outside that's keeping you down. It's what's on the inside that's keeping you bound. You don't have nearly as, as many enemies as you think you do. I know folk bad mouth. Yeah, that's all good. Everybody got haters. That's, that's a hater's job. A hater's job is to hate. Well, if you got more today than you did last year, you're doing something right. I get, listen, I, 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 I get all that. But you don't have as many, you don't have as many haters as you think you do. Am I losing you? Because this ain't deep yet. You don't have as many, you don't have as many opponents as you think you do. The world ain't out to get you like you think it is. You know why? Because you ain't as important as you think you are. There you go. <laughs> You're not the topic of everybody's conversation. Sorry. I know y'all talking about me. Uh, we won't think about you. Everybody trying to keep me down. It's not so much at the what at the things that are on the outside that are trying to keep you down. It's the stuff on the inside that's been able to keep you bound. That's why the picture of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is so eloquent and it's so applicable to our life. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he came out of the grave. He was alive, but he was still bound in grave clothes. In other words, he was alive, but he wasn't of much use. That sounds like a lot of churches. That sounds like a lot of Christians. You're breathing, but you ain't really doing that much. You're alive, but you're not really living. Can somebody say amen? You're moving, but you're not moving with passion. You're not moving with purpose. And I promise you, it doesn't matter what goes on on the outside if you will allow God to fix those things that are on the inside. Because once you're okay internally, a thousand can fall on one hand. 10,000 on the other and it won't come nigh unto you. But if you feel bad about yourself, everybody around you can tell you how great you are and it won't sink in. 
So the veil wasn't an external veil. The limitation wasn't an external limitation. It was an internal limitation. You take self-condemnation into a situation with you. You take problems into a situation with you. You take low self-esteem into a situation with you. You walk into a situation with a preconceived notion that nobody likes you. Nobody's going to appreciate you. Everybody's going to talk bad about you. And then when you leave and somebody asks you, how was it? Well, they weren't friendly. I guess not. You walked in predisposed to what you thought was going to happen. But if a man's heart condemn him not, that man is not condemned. You can't put me under the thumb of oppression if I don't choose to be there. So it's not so much it's it's not so much the boundary, it's the power that we give that boundary. It's not lack, it's the power that we give that lack. How many of you are familiar with the story of Joseph as he was sold by his brothers, which by the way, you can only be sold if you're worth something. They sold me out. Well, praise God, at least you were worth something. Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery. He had a dream about the palace, but y'all know the story. He had to go through the pit and the prison to get there. And when Joseph was in the prison, he lacked freedom. But there was no boundary on his favor. Which lets me know that favor is more important than freedom. Because if you're free with no purpose, where there is no vision, the people perish. They wander aimlessly. So Joseph is in the prison house, but he still has favor. Now, if he doesn't have freedom, but he still has favor, and the favor is the thing that got him through, then obviously favor is more important than freedom. Track with me now. What he lacked, he discovered that he didn't really need. If you lack any sense of freedom, you can still do what God's called you to do. Unless you think that freedom is your answer. If you lack if you lack friends, you can still what you've been called you can still do what you've been called to do. Unless you think that friends are your answers. Come on, say amen. It'll go better for you. If you lack a husband, you can still do what God's called you to do. Unless you think that the husband is going to be your answer. Come on, say amen. If you lack a degree, you can still do what God's called you to do. Unless you think that the degree is the answer. Yeah. 
if you lack finance, you can still do what God's called you to do. Unless you think that finances are your answer. Ah, uh, y'all got to track with me now. Because God has an interesting way of not only being God, but liking it. Look at somebody say, he's good at it. He's, he, he's, he's good at it. So in order for God to be God and God to get all the glory, sometimes he will remove from your life the thing that you think you need, not because he's mean or punitive, but he wants to show you something that he already knows. You thought you needed that, but you didn't. And the only way you discover you didn't need that is if I removed that from you for a season and you still were able to accomplish my will. Not only can you get my will done, but now you're going to be able to say like David said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, some trust in husbands, some trust in money, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. How can you say that? Because I didn't have horses. I didn't have chariots. I didn't have money. I didn't have friends. And I still got the job done because what I lacked in freedom, I maintained in favor. <laughs> can you say Amen. So if I have a little bit, I can get the job done. If I have a lot, I can get the job done. It's not what I'm holding. It's who's holding me. Amen. Amen. Now, th these are things, beloved, that God wants to work out and walk out in our lives. It's not just enough to amen them on Sunday. I'm having a hard time getting you to do that. But, 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 but I, I want you to walk it out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What we want to demonstrate to the world is that he is a very present in every time of need. That what we believe doesn't just work on a Sunday morning, but it works on a Tuesday afternoon. It doesn't just work when the praise team is singing. It works when I got nobody singing with me. It doesn't it doesn't just work when coffee, tea, and prophecy meet. It works when I'm by myself and he still comes through and I discover, wait a minute, evidently he's all I need because he's all I got and he came through for me when nobody else could. That's why sometimes you have to make sure that you shut down some things. You have to eliminate some things. You can't, be, you can't be giving every voice in your life the same weight. Let God be true in every man alive. When it comes to wisdom, the writer of Proverbs says, buy it, purchase it. Get wisdom. And sometimes in order to get wisdom, you've got to remove some nonsense. It's, it's all right. You've got to be mean to them. You just, you know, you got you to remove some nonsense every now and then. You've got to remove some foolishness every now and then. Don't get so caught up in slogans and catchphrases that you miss the essence of the truth behind stuff. And you get on social media, man, people can post some of the craziest things. And I, and I don't know why, but sometimes it hits me funny, and I just, I just get tickled. I saw this the other day, and I don't, know who, I don't know who commented on it, but it was so funny. I'd give them credit if I could remember. But somebody posted this the other day. Somebody said... If you can't accept me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. If you can't accept me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. I think it works better if you pop your neck, but I don't. 
I guess some golf balls yesterday, and I'm, I'm a little stupid. I think it works, but if you can't accept, I don't know how to do it. If you can't accept me at my worst, and you gotta snap somehow, you don't deserve me at my best. You ever talk to somebody and you know it's, the conversation ain't gonna go good when their head gets lower? If you can't accept me at my worst, that's when you know it ain't gonna go good. And if, if they, and, and I saw someone coming on and I got so, I got so tickled about it because I thought, that's, that's really, that, that was it you that commented? Because I like, <laughs> cheers, that was great. I'm like, boy, that's. I'm going to need some more data. Is it okay if I get some more information on that? You can't accept me in my words. You don't deserve me in my business. Okay, well, if you're at your worst 29 days out of the month, and you only at your best one day out of the month, you're right. As my brother used to say, sometimes the juice ain't worth the squeeze. And this person that commented on it, I got so tickled because they said, just think about that logic. Can you imagine an airplane pilot getting on the speaker? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to let you know. If you can't accept me crashing this plane... You don't deserve me landing this plane. Because <laughs> that's my worst. Can you imagine going in for surgery? Uh, before I put you under, <laughs> if you can't accept me in my worst. <laughs> some, of, some of these statements that it's, you know, it, it's water cooler logic at best. It's piecemeal logic at best. It's like, it's like people that say, go ahead. You know, my, my haters have become my motivators. Okay, well, that's all right. The problem with that is you got to stay mad to do anything. That may be fuel to get you started, but that's not long range motivation because then you got to make everybody mad and then you know you, uh, I don't need nobody I, I can do it all by myself I don't need this I don't need that y'all thought y'all were doing this to me when all you were doing was this to me and I'm sitting there thinking wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute I know your story you alienated everybody you got mad at everybody you tore up everybody's stuff. You jacked up every... I don't think people did to you what you think they did to you. But because you have become comfortable being the victim. Because you are more comfortable being the victim than you are comfortable 
getting the victory. It doesn't matter what you amen on Sunday. You'll always see yourself as less than. But God is here to tell somebody that no weapon formed against you can prosper. You are the head, not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are to be blessed in your coming and blessed in your going. And anything less than that is less than what he paid for when he purchased you with his own blood. Somebody take about five seconds and say amen. Just five is all I need. Just five. Now, let, let me let, let me say something. This will probably be the first two parts, so I won't keep you too long, but let me say something. Now, don't get mad. Which is usually the thing that is said right before you know somebody's going to get mad. <laughs> you know, very seldom do you ever tell somebody, don't get upset that I just deposited a million dollars in the account. Usually it's like, don't get upset, I just wrecked your car. <laughs> okay. If... If you think you need finances to get the job done, then what you have done is you have placed the premium on money. If you think you need friends, you've placed the premium on friendship. If you think you need a husband, if you think you need a wife, if you think you need a degree, if you think you need a new job, if you think you need a new car, whatever it might be, if you think that that's what you need, then you've placed the premium on that. And by accentuating that, you have diminished the power of favor. Now, what I want to do is I want to say something, and I don't want you to get mad at it, but I have heard people say this. I've heard people in church say this. I grew up in a Pentecostal type of background, okay? All grandfathers, Pentecostal holiness preachers. Uncles, Pentecostal holiness preachers. We grew up Pentecostal. We grew up in a season and an era where materialistic things were frowned upon because that was considered to be the love of this world. And so if you didn't have anything, you were more spiritual. And I look back now and I didn't realize how spiritual we were. <laughs> we didn't have nothing. We was really spiritual. <laughs> but I, I grew up in a way of thinking that gave me power to pray. But it didn't give me the power to believe. It gave me the power to praise. Oh, we could run and jump like nobody's business. We could shout like nobody's business. My grandmama could not walk in the house from here to there without complaining about something. But if the quote-unquote spirit ever hit her, she could kick her shoes off and run around the church. And she's done it a lot. And she could do it with her eyes shut, which was the mark of being led by the spirit. Because if you ran with your eyes open, using the flesh. But if you could run with your eyes shut, then the spirit was on you. And she could run around the church, eyes shut, screaming. My grandma would scream, throw her hands up. We'd be sitting in the back of the church laughing. She could get to where we were, open her eyes, pop us in the head, shut her eyes, and keep going. <laughs> but now in the house, baby, could you go get you, could you go get the sandwich? She ain't feeling too well. She couldn't walk from here, you know. 
She could run on for Jesus. <laughs> What's that? I'm, <laughs> I'm on 99 and a half on this. I'm trying to make 100. We, we, had to, we, we knew the power to pray, but we didn't know the power to believe. We had the power to pray, but nobody gave us the power to prosper. Come on. We, we, had the, we had the power to believe for healing, but we did not have the power to be blessed in our circumstance and in our situation. So what happened was we were highly elevated in the area of faith, but our expectation was very low when it came to blessing and prosperity. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we come to certain seasons of the church, and we see some of that self-correct, and sometimes it self-corrects almost to a fault, you know, because y'all remember years ago, it was all about how much, you know, you could name and claim and bind and lose and write a check, what the heck, it don't matter, you know, and it was all based on, you know, cash, cruises, cars, watches, all this kind of stuff, so you judge somebody's spirituality by how much they, but, but it self-corrects over time, theology does that, people take the pendulum and go too far one way. But but God has a God has a way of, of balancing that. Track with me. I don't want to get too far down this rabbit path. But I grew up hearing this. Are y'all ready? And don't get mad at me. I grew up hearing this. Well, I don't give to get. That's one of those foolish things I've heard in my life. I don't give. <laughs> I don't give to give. That's foolish. God gave to get. God wanted a family. So he gave a son. Everything you ever pray for. <sighs> Most of the time when we miss the answers that God gives us, it's because it comes in a package that we're not expecting. Amen. Amen. I don't care what y'all say, this is good. We miss, we miss the essence of what God wants to do because it comes in a package that we're not ready for. He doesn't give you a harvest. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower. You know what gives you your harvest? What you do with your seed. That's why the one that had five talents and invested it was given five more. The one that was given two and invested it was given two more. The one that was given one and buried it, not only did he not just have that one, he had that one taken away. Jesus would not work in 2018 politics. 
I'm just going to tell you, Jesus will not work in 2018 politics. Because 2018 politics is to take the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent, put them all in one pool, and give everybody, let me, five, two, seven, eight, 2.75 talents. Because we're going to equal it out. Jesus said, no, I'm going to give to the one that's using what I'm giving them. Are y'all hearing this? Everything you pray for, God gives you the seed for. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about everything. If you... Mm, uh, the Bible says He gives to every man the measure of what? Faith. Why? Because His harvest... Is for everyone to please him. Amen. 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 Boy, this is good. Y'all are writing this down. Revelation chapter 4 For thou hast created all things for your pleasure. Track with me, what I'm saying is important right now. For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. If God creates all things for his pleasure, then he desires that everything that he created please him. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he gives to every man the measure of faith and then tells you all you need is the faith, the size of a seed. That's all you need. All you need is to utilize the seed that I gave you. Oh my gosh, that feels so good right there. Everything that God gives you, he gives you the seed, the seed, the seed for you to create the harvest you want. If you're not eating from the table of God, you're not going to see what God's doing. Why? Because tasting is the seed for seeing. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't know what God's doing in your life, he's giving you a seed for that. It's called stillness. Be still. Be still. And no, I don't know what's going on. Then stop running to everybody. I don't know what's going on. Then get still for a minute. Because stillness is the seed that you've been given for knowing. Faith is the seed that you've been given to bring God pleasure. God said, I wanted a family, so I gave. I gave my son so that he could then return back to me. What did it say of Jesus prophetically when he returns back to the Father? Father, here I am. And the children that you've given me. Money is not your harvest. Money is a tool that God gives you to reap your harvest. Watch this. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. I'm going to take five more minutes. Okay, y'all good? Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over, shall they give into your bosom. The bosom is the place of feeding. 
It's the place of nutrition. It's the place of potential. The Bible says in Isaiah that he, speaking of God, shall carry his lambs in his bosom. Lambs are young sheep. Young dreams. Young plans. Young strategy. I wish I could get an amen. When you start carrying stuff close to your potential, people will see that. And so into that, you need, you, need, you need to write this down. I've heard people say, well, Pastor, nothing's coming in. Well, what are you doing? Some of y'all might miss this, but it's good. Provision, provision, provision. Provision is meant to strengthen vision, not to pacify insecurity. God doesn't give you resources to make you feel better about yourself. God gives provision to strengthen whatever vision you've got. Well, nobody's helping me. Well, nobody wants to support laziness. Nobody wants to... Nobody wants to support those that aren't initiated. Give them something to connect with. Have you ever found that when you're doing nothing, things in your world just stop happening? But when you start sowing time, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. You start sowing friendship. If you tell me you ain't got any friends... You're telling me more about you than you really want to. Yeah? Because he that had friends must show himself friendly. In other words, if you're not showing yourself friendly, then you're not going to pray. If you're not sowing time, you're not going to be reaping time. If you're not sowing joy, you're not going to be able to reap joy. If you're not sowing love, you're not going to be able to reap love. God gives seed to the sower. Everything. Now listen, when I told you I don't give to get, I'm not talking about creating a debt. Okay? I'm not talking about creating a debt. If I give to you and I expect you to give back to me, I have created a debt. And I have created a sense of imbalance. That's why you don't always reap where you sow. You reap what you sow. If I sow over here and I wait to get my harvest from over here, then I'm going to put a lot of pressure on over here. But if I can give to you knowing that I'm not creating a debt between me and you, I can, for, I can forgive you even if you don't forgive me. Why? Because I'm sowing forgiveness. Why? Because somewhere down the road, I'm going to need to reap some forgiveness somewhere. And it may not ever come from you, but if it comes from somebody else when I need it, then I'm going to be able to reap that harvest. If I can love you when you're unlovable, maybe somebody will love me when I'm unlovable. Ah, somebody help me now. If I can reach you 
when you're unreachable. Maybe somebody will be able to reach me when I'm unreachable. If I can speak into your potential when nobody else will, maybe somebody will see a Joseph in me even when everybody else sees a prisoner and they can bring me out because I never lost my favor. This is my clothes, my last clothes. This is the for real one. <laughs> You've been with me long enough, you know his first two clothes don't count. This is my for real one. Watch this, it's going to help you. Whatever you love, you'll pursue. You cannot tell your wife you love her and then spend every waking minute away from her. That's right, man. Can I tell your husband you love him and then and then look for ways to be away from him? You ain't gonna be able to go into the job and say, I really love this job. And you calling in sick Tuesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, parts of Saturday. You be coming back with the story, I lost my job. You can lose it. I know where it is. It's just somebody else doing it. <laughs> I can tell you where it is. What you love, you'll pursue. And everybody in your world will be able to watch you and tell what you love. If I can't be with you for a week and tell what you love. Brother Mark's here. Good to see you, Diane. So good to see you guys. If y'all follow him on Facebook, I live vicariously through him. I said, why don't you go hang glide? Mark's doing it for me. I got that coming. Why don't you go swim with the sharks? Mark's got it. Don't you want to ride a motorcycle that fat? No, Mark is. I want to be on that one or that little go helmet or what or that little go cam or something like that. Yeah, GoPro. Yeah. Mark celebrated his birthday, but if you if you're ever watching, you you'll know. Well, you don't have to guess what he likes because he because he pursues it. Some of you guys, I don't have to guess what I don't have to guess what you like. If you are spending a month telling me how much you like this church and I never see you. <laughs> I really love you, Pastor. All right, see you next Easter. <laughs> you, whatever you love, you'll pursue. And if I can look at two things, if I can look at your checkbook and your date book, if I can look at your money and I can look at your calendar, because those are the two commodities that you've been given that you can spend any way you want. Amen. Your finance and your time. Amen. That's why time management is so valuable. You have to spend it. Can't afford to waste it. Because everything that you'll get back, the one thing that you're not going to get back on this side of glory is time. 
That's why I've told some people before, look here, you need to get in the mode of elimination. Not everything in your world deserves that much time. Invested wisely. Now, y'all hear that? Whatever you love, you'll pursue. Get this, and it's my last point. Whatever you can walk away from, you've mastered. You can walk away from alcohol. You've mastered it. If you can walk away from drugs, you've mastered it. If you can't walk away from it, it's mastering you. Are y'all listening? If you can walk away from porn, you've mastered it. If you can walk away from dysfunction, you've mastered it. If you can walk away from anger, you've mastered it. I don't walk away from anger because everything got fixed and I got vengeance and retribution. Sometimes I walk away from anger because I'm tired of angering. I'm tired of angering over something. I'm tired of anger mastering. Pastor, what are you going to do about that hurt? You know what? I really need to walk away from that because I'm tired of that hurt. Owning me. This will bless you. This will bless you. It will help you enlarge your giving in every area of life. Whatever you can walk away from, You've mastered Most of you remember the story. <coughs> we got a little turbulent, so I got one more club. <laughs> Most of you remember the story that I told you. The first time we were at a conference, we were ministering with Bishop Tudor Bismarck. It's the first time I ever heard him preach. And he started preaching, and I was, I was mesmerized. And one of our assistants that traveled with us in the ministry at the time, I remember telling him, I said, look, go back to his table and get one of everything he's got. If I need to give you my credit card, I'll give you a credit card, whatever. I said, go back. He goes back to the table. He comes back and he says, he's got a lot. <laughs> Is that good? Okay. Let's go find out, get one of everything. He goes back. He comes back up to me and he said, it's, it's going to be expensive. Okay, go get one of everything he's got. He comes back. He says, Man, if you get one of everything, it's going to be about $500. I said, Okay, here. Is that really worth $500? I don't know. I am. I'm worth $500. You don't understand. For $500, I get to discover what it's taken him 50 years to learn. Don't tell me you want to be overcomer. Don't tell me you want to be blessed in every area. Don't tell me you want to be prosperous if you can't buy a $10 book.
I heard someone this week ask John, they said they asked John Rockefeller one time, they said, if you only had $5 to your name, what would you do? He said, I would go to the nicest hotel in the city. He lived in New York. I would go to the nicest hotel in the city, and I would buy somebody a cup of coffee because I could get in 10 minutes from talking with them what this $5 would never buy me at the soup kitchen. Y'all didn't hear that. In other words, I'm going to invest my time upward. I'm going to invest what little I'm going to create. Beloved, beloved, hear me and hear me well. I know I'm going on. It's all right. Hear me well. I told you to hear me well and y'all got quiet. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, if I go down that path, I'm not going to be able to. The strategy you sustain today, whatever you work, whatever you work, whatever you work, the excellence that you work will create success. And the success that you work will create excellence. I heard somebody preach this not too long ago, a few years ago, but I heard them preach this and I was so convicted. Because I was living life very mad. People took from me. People took from me. People took from me. And I felt like a... You ever felt like a sap? You know, like, man, am I that easy to mark? And, and I remember I really had a need. And I saw other preachers that were being blessed and prosperous and this and that, whatever. And I was having one of those pity parties. And I was really feeling sorry for myself. And while I was doing that, there was a preacher that talked about when he was going through a problem. Somebody had given him a thousand dollars, and he had that thousand dollars he already planned because he needed furniture, he needed this, he needed that. And God said, "What I want you to do is, I want you to take five hundred of that that I gave you, and I want you to give it over here." And he said, "The first thing that he did was bind the devil." <laughs> I rebuke you, Satan! You foul and evil spirit, come out! God, you don't understand. I've already got plans for this. I've already got plans for that. I've got plans for this. And he said that the Spirit of the Lord told him, he said, you have no business calling in thousands if you can't let go of ten. Amen. I love folks. i got folks in this church, and I know and I know some of y'all played a lottery, and I pray for you. I really do. If, God, if I woke up one morning with six numbers dancing in my head, Boy, I'd whistle, this is the day, this is the day, right down to the four brother. I want a ticket. It's hard for me to win the lottery because I don't play. So the odds are really against me. But I know people that play. I've had people tell me before, Pastor, I win the lottery. I'm going to give you a tithe. I've gone and looked at their records. They ain't giving nothing. And I'm thinking, if you won't tithe on a hundred, you ain't going to tithe on a million. Because tithing ain't about 10%. It's about the heart. Giving ain't about how much. Giving's about the heart. If you can't love me when I'm at my worst. Call in peace 
you can't let go of hurt. Sometimes you've got to let go so you can enlarge. You've got to learn how to give, and sometimes giving looks like letting go. The blessing of God has nothing to do with how much you can call in. It has everything to do with how much you can let go of. If he can trust you with hundreds, he'll give you hundreds. If he can trust you with thousands, he'll give you thousands. If he can trust you with one revelation, he'll give you one revelation. If he can trust you with a, with a myriad of revelations, he'll give you that. If he can trust you with this much joy, he'll give you this much joy. If he can trust you with a world full of joy, he'll give you that. Whatever he can trust you with, that it won't stop with you. Your prayer, my prayer, our prayer needs to be, Lord... Get it to us. We promise we'll let it through us. Can you say amen? I want you to lift your hands right now if you will. Father, in Jesus' name, I release this word into the hearts, into the minds of every person, under the sound of my voice. I ask right now that a supernatural activation would take place. Lord, I'm asking that the spirit of the Most High God Father, you're here. We know you're here. But I'm asking you to fall in a fresh way, in a tangible way. Right now, in the name that is above every name, I speak a no-limit anointing right now on every person under the sound of my voice. I decree a no-weapon anointing under the sound of my voice. I decree blessing and prosperity and breakthrough. And I command in Jesus' name the blessing that you commanded upon us when we gave gather together in unity. Lord, this is a new season for this house, and we declare and decree that from this day forward, we will be givers. We will expand our territory. We will enlarge our possibilities. And devil, there's nothing you can do to come against us that God's not going to make work for us. Whatever the thief has stolen, bring it back. And don't just bring back what you took. Bring it back seven times over in the name that is above every name. Father, give us a seed that we know is from you. It doesn't matter what arena we're in. When love is needed, give us the seed. Where forgiveness is needed, give us the seed. Where finance is needed, give us the seed. Where joy is needed, give us the seed. Where friendship is needed, give us the seed. Whatever is needed. Give us the seed. And we will sow it. Because you've been faithful to us. Now Lord let us prove our faithfulness to you. And I declare it. I decree it. Now I need somebody to say amen. So we can expect it. Say amen. Amen.